Hey everyone, and welcome back to the First Act Podcast. I'm your host, Harry G, and today's episode is for all of you supporters, and especially the naysayers who don't believe in the impact Web3 is currently having on the future of the music business. This is part one of pioneering the music industry in Web3 with Spotty Wi-Fi. Listen in as we break down Spotty's unique path to how he made $250,000 in under 60 seconds using NFTs to working with artists like Snoop Dogg. Spotty and I share tips and tricks on how independent artists can thrive in today's music industry by building online communities and creating unique experiences for your fans. This is an episode you won't want to miss. And now, hosted by Harry G., this is your one-stop shop for hot talk straight from the top. Whether you're trying to build a job in pop, rock, or any other artsy schlock, here's your top dog with info that can't be bought, it's gotta be sought. So sit back, crack a six-pack, cause we're about to chit-chat and rip facts. It's the First Act Podcast. Alright, let's do it. So today we've got a very special guest. We've got Spotty Wi-Fi. Spotty, what's up? I'm chilling, man. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. For those of you who do not know Spotty Wi-Fi, so I believe that you are the very first CryptoPunk rapper. Is that right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. The best yeah. and only. <laughs> the best and only. And, and, and I actually, so how I discovered you was not from all the articles that are written about you or where you're featured in like Forbes and a bunch of different uh, major publications. I actually discovered you months back on Talia's space on Twitter. Nice. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Had you had you already been speaking at a lot in, in a lot of different spaces before that? Like do you run your own space? I join a I join other a lot. I don't have a regularly scheduled spaces you on Twitter. Not yet anyways. It's something I'm I'm thinking about. But yeah, I do a lot of spaces. Spaces are very popular in NFTs in general. It's a good way to share information, good way to explain what NFTs are all about because it's a little confusing, especially if you're just trying to text it out. Um, and then for music space, for, for music NFTs especially, uh, it's a great format because musicians can share their music just over Twitter spaces and you're not, um, you, you know, music uh, still has some visual elements, but you know, it's more, it's more about the music. So it's a good medium for that. So anyways, yeah, uh, Talia was, was doing some spaces. I have a friend, uh, named, you know, she, she go Miami ape. That's her Twitter handle, the Miami ape. And she connected me and said, Hey, you should hop in the spaces. Cause we're talking about teas and became friends with Talia through that. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cause just to kind of recap for people, I just want to let people know a little bit about who you are. So you are one of the very first, or you are the very first crypto punk rapper. Um, I believe that you used to work in marketing and advertising before you decided launching your NFTs yep. and you are, I'd say at least in my world, most known for, I believe you had, you minted about 2000 NFTs at 0.3 ETH and sold out within 60 seconds. Is that right? Uh, I wish it was 0 0.03. 0 0.03. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so that so that was sixty ETH in sixty seconds. You know, point times two thousand ETH. Uh, but yeah, other than that, you're you're absolutely correct. And based on that became a study for the thousand fan. You know, this idea that you don't need millions of fans as an artist. 
you know, you just need a few or a thousand fans to earn a good living because when I sold those 2000 NFTs, there were 700 purchasers, 700 collectors that bought them. And that 60 ETH at that time was $192,000. So that's how much revenue was generated when it sold out instantly. And then we also do 100 Ethereum in secondary sales within seven hours after the launch. So wow. I yeah, and I and one of the powerful things about NFTs is I'm able to collect a royalty or take a cut on the secondary sales. So I took 10% of that 100 ETH. Um, so we made about a quarter million dollars in a day. It, wow. It's the long and short of it. And as of now, we're we're over 100 ETH in secondary sales. So people continue to trade, yes. and, I, and I continue to provide um, you know access and to events and experiences and things like that for the people that have those NFTs. So what, what I really loved what, about what you said there was you said there was a resale market. So initially you said you made about 60 ETH, right? It was 2000 NFTs at 0.03 ETH. You sold out within a minute and then within seven hours on the resale market, you were able to collect a royalty whenever somebody would resell one of your digital assets. Right, so, exactly. That's crazy. Like that's revolutionary in the music business. Like, you know, when I often think about assets in the music industry, I think about like, you know, like what a fan would get, right? Like, like merch, for instance. And let's say I bought uh, this shirt for like 45 bucks, but it was like a, you know, it was only for that specific tour, or maybe there's only a few of them at the merch table and I go to the venue, I would have to buy that shirt, but then I knew that I could flip it for 150 bucks on eBay. Right. And then I can make a profit as a fan, but then you would never see any of that revenue. You'd only see that initial sale. Correct. Right. Exactly. So so this is super powerful for for creators of any kind, uh, because I can, like you said, if, if you if you use of merch at the merch table and then you resell it, I'm able to get a cut. Um, and then also for you as the collector, you know, it's very easy to lose that shirt. You know, you go see a band before they blow up and then they end up becoming uh, very popular and you saw them 10 years ago, but where's the shirt? You know, does yeah. the shirt, uh, is the shirt still around? Is it uh, in good condition? Um, this is basically become digital coal that doesn't, um, it doesn't decompose. There, there isn't wear and tear and things like that. It's an interesting new, uh, it, it offers a new dynamic to the relationship between the artist and the, the listener or the fan. Okay, yeah, that, and, and that makes a lot of sense. And so what, I, what I'm kind of curious about here, so, you know, I, I, I want to know what you're working on. I want to know sort of your background. And, you know, I'm very curious about what you're working on these days. I know that doing this, um, this initial launch of your NFT, was this your first NFT that you'd ever released? This one that got yes. all that made headlines, exactly. So what what did that feel like? Man, it was amazing. You know, it, it was really, you know, the actual day that we launched the NFT was was very surreal. It was an emotional roller coaster because um, it was stress. It, it, stre it was stressful to launch NFT. I was still working. Uh, I was like freelancing. You know, so I was actually like on a lunch break from a job, you know, while we launched my NFT and, um, and there was a lot of like, th there was a little bit of a delay. We launched about 20 minutes later than we wanted to. And we had people saying, Oh, this is a scam. This is a rug pull, blah, blah, blah. 
So it went from like really stressful to then like as soon as we launched it, it was over. And uh, that, you know, that was obviously a great feeling. And then, yeah, to get the press that we got out of it, you know, I think about four or six weeks after we, we the, the album, uh, there was a, a story published on Complex. And it's a, it's a very in-depth piece. It's probably, I think it's like 6,000 words where they talk about my my music career years ago and, and why it did or didn't pan out. And then now flash, flashing forward to now. Um, and that was just like, uh, a moment I'll never forget, you know, because a lot of people over the past year and a half, um, when I told them I was doing this project, they thought it was crazy or they thought it was goofy or they thought it was a gimmick or whatever. Um, and now it's, you know, it, it pretty much instantly became uh, a pretty historic, you know, launch in terms of music NFTs. Right. And I'm sure you've got a lot of people reaching out to you, artists and even probably music industry professionals alike that want to collaborate with you in some way because you really pioneered this for the music industry. Yeah, it's been a blessing, man. I've been blessed to work with some great people since then. You know, I've worked with Grammy nominated or Grammy award winning artists and producers since then, you know, multi-platinum artists and producers, like things that I'd never really envisioned for myself when we, when we were starting this a year ago, when we were starting this a year ago, I was really just trying to do something that would be fun. Of course, it was just for fun. And then also just to do something historic. Cause it was like, Hey, these crypto punks are historic. Nobody's ever done this with a crypto punk. Nobody's ever made music with their crypto punk. Mm-hmm. I want to do that. Uh, we weren't thinking like, Oh yeah, we, you know, this is going to be how we, you know, get to work with legendary artists. So this is how we're going to get to like work with Snoop Dogg and things like that. It was that, that all, uh, we, I thought maybe in the years to come, I, I did, I did say things like big artists are going to enter the metaverse and I'm going to, and I'm going to be there already. Right. Um, but I thought it, I thought it would be years away, not months away. Yeah. And, and now you have all these, these artists that are knocking on your door asking for guidance right on how to navigate this space because you're one of the leaders now and so yeah yeah sorry go on uh and also just to say you know the nft community is a small community it's a niche community and they're extremely skeptical they're extremely skeptical when somebody with a huge platform enters the space because there there has been a lot of examples of people just coming in and trying to do a quick cash grab so the, the artists that I've been fortunate enough to collaborate with, they're usually artists that are being more thoughtful and trying to think through, like, how do I come in in a way that's authentic and that that doesn't rub people the wrong way? And that that's a really awesome position to be in when when people you look up to or artists that you love are asking you, you know, to help them with that sort of thing. It's a really great point. And how do you you know, being part of that authentic NFT niche and community, how do you identify if somebody is just doing it as a cash grab or how do you know if they're really being thorough and thoughtful and, you know, really just that there's an actual meaning behind what they're doing? Not a one size fits all answer to this. Um, a, a meaningful project can come in a lot of different, you know, shapes and forms and packages and things like that. We'll say generally, um, if we're just talking about NFTs in general, going even beyond music, you know, I, I like to, I like to understand what do I know about the creator? You know, does, is the creator docs identified themselves? That's sort of a completely anonymous. 
what if, if they are docs, what's their experience? What's their ground? You know, um, what are they delivering? What are they promising? What have they already delivered versus what are they promising that they're going to deliver in the future? There's, there's a lot of NFT collections out there that are really just, they're like, they're basically Kickstarters. You know, it's like, help us raise this obscene amount of money and then we're going to deliver something. Right. You know, I didn't, I didn't really do that. What I, I the album was recorded. It was mixed. The album was mastered. We did, we did promise some things in the future. Like we said, you know, there'll be a vinyl record that you'll get before the end of the year last year. And we delivered on that, you know, which was not easy to do, by the way, normally it takes a long time to get vinyl, but we, we were able to pull some strings, but you know, I, I guess, yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, what are they promising and what do they seem like they're actually equipped to deliver? Because uh, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of projects that are just, that they'll just promise you the world, you know? And, and then in terms of music, in terms of music, if I'm looking at a big artist and I'm, and an NFT drop, I would be wondering like, what is their exposure to NFTs before trying to sell them? Are they a collector? You know, do they collect NFTs? That's something I'm really, you know, like all the artists I've worked with, you know, they, they were collecting NFTs before we got together to collaborate, you know, um, Snoop, Snoop specific NFT collector. He's got a crazy collection, you know, and I think that's a great example. And that's for an artist, big or small. I think it's always where you try to sell something. You should understand the mindset of a collector by becoming a, a yourself, you know, right. Just thinking through like, what, what are you offering me? Am I just, am I buying a collectible? Are you taking a song and, and minting it on the blockchain and I'm just getting it as a collectible? Or do I get any intellectual property rights? You know, do I get to use the music in content? Do I get to remix the music? Do I get royalties associated with the music or anything like that? Um, or have you been thoughtful about what owning this NFT can mean for me when I come to your live show? When I, you know, if if you have a concert in the metaverse or or whatever, like. There's just a lot of things beyond minting a song on the blockchain that I look for as a collector uh, to understand, is this something I'm really interested in? I couldn't agree more. You know, it, it, like there needs to be an actual utility, I, I think. And, you know, in some cases, maybe there doesn't need to be. But I think in most cases here, at least in the music space, there really needs to be some sort of utility. Um, and so like the projects that I'm attaching myself to even are all focused on, you know, not even trying to use the terms like NFT or Web3 or blockchain, because, you know, I've been in the music space about a decade now and trying to explain that to a lot of my friends, even around my age and, you know, early 30s or late 20s even is uh, it's almost off putting to a lot of different artists or people that work with artists. Because um, right. like you said, because a lot of people feel like it might just be a cash grab. But if you have intention behind it and there's an actual story as to, I think, what you're trying to accomplish. And if you're able to really put yourself in the shoes of the collector or even the fans and make that process very easy for the fans and provide value to the artist, then I think that it's that that's where you could start to get a win win. That's where you start to get more adoption. Agree. What? uh you know, I um, be before we kind of go on too many rambles of, uh, of NFTs and all of that, I'm, I'm, I want to know, like, so how did you first get started in crypto and in NFTs? Like, what was your what were your first steps? So I first got into crypto at 
2017. So it, uh, it was like the very end of the bull market in 2017. Crypto had been on a tear for the whole year or, or more than the year. And I bought in toward the top. Very, very bad timing. Um, I made every classic mistake that you could make. I, I, I put in more money than I was to lose. Um, I was completely overinvested, overextended, just, just made an emotional decision over the holidays. You know, the, the crypto prices were skyrocketing and for a long time. And I, I was home for the holidays and I just said, you know what? I'm sick of hearing about this and not being part of it. Everybody's getting rich except me. I'm putting in as much money as I can. Right. And then of course, right after that, everything crashed, like historic, crazy crash. And that was, that was my entry window. A yeah. lot of people have, yeah, a lot, a lot of people have a similar story. Thankfully, I had a friend who told me, you know, you lose anything until you sell. So yeah. I didn't sell. I didn't sell any of my crypto. I held it. I kept studying, kept researching, kept learning. And over the course of the entire bear market, all of 2018, all of 2019, I kept buying. I kept buying more crypto little by little. I was taking, I was buying much smaller amounts because I had spent as much money as I could at the wrong time. Uh, but I kept buying. And then, yeah, eventually prices finally start to cover in 2019, like second half of 2019, if I remember correctly. And then during COVID in 2020, another big drop. There was another big crash, but crypto recovered again and it recovered pretty quickly this time. Fortunately, due to COVID, I, I was working a day job. I had been working a day job. You know, I've been working in marketing for almost a decade at that. And I ended up getting furloughed and then laid off from my job due to COVID. And yeah, I was working a job in marketing, ended up uh, due to COVID. I got furloughed, eventually got laid off, but thankfully this crypto that I had been accumulating, it, it was finally, uh, it had appreciated and was like my safety net at that point. Um, and that is when I started hearing about NFs. I started hearing about NBA Top Shot in January of last year. And that was my gateway to the NFT world, basically. Thanks for tuning in to part one. Stay tuned for part two. Remember, new episodes release every Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific. See you there.